Thursday. We got Todd Father, we got Krasinski. Ron here, still separated from the group from quarantine. <laughs> the fam soon. Oh, today our, our model of the day, Todd Father, is actually AJ Prusinski. I didn't even realize what he's got. What is that on your um, body? I mean, it's a sweatshirt, but you can't really see it, but it's a nice. car. Yeah, I like it. We've been getting some tags on socials from people that have hit up foulterritoryshop.com for sweatshirts. So hoodie season is here. Nice. Beautifully done. Hoodie season hopefully done. is over in Florida. I agree. I agree. <laughs> a little better here you know we're in the 60s today i think right mm, it's still chilly yeah we're we got suffering 40, down here. 47 days till spring so we got time hey we have about two weeks until pitchers and catchers report happy feb one right when did the dodgers show up dodgers and padres it's only a few days earlier i think right they Not start sure. like three weeks early don't they because they fly to korea and play those games they do we're going to have coverage of those games. I don't think we're going, but we're going to talk about them. Maybe a little post-game show action. We'll see if people are into it. And by the way, just a reminder, because we've been getting quite a few questions on our Instagram. Sometimes people are like, hey, ask Scott this. I'm like, yo, it's me. I'm in the Instagram DMs talking back. So <laughs> not having 20-minute conversations with everyone, but if you do have a question, that's the spot. Uh, there's other spots too, but the foul territory Instagram DMs are pretty easy for us to check. So we'll mix in a couple questions here today too. Let's start uh, by charging the mound on a John Heyman story on Pete Alonzo. And really it's about the New York Mets. And he just kind of makes the case for the Mets adding another bat. Okay. So there's the uh, Twitter headline. Mets have logically and smartly improved depth and kept flexibility this winter. But here's my long shot plea for a late signing to aid Alonzo and excite fans. And you can see the two headline photos with Alonzo sandwiched in between. It's J.D. Martinez and it's Jorge Soler. He also mentions how uh, there hasn't even been a hitter signing for over $50 million besides Unicorn Shohei Otani. And of course, that should change with Bellinger and with Chapman. But part of the plea, Todd Father, is, hey, this could be the final season with him. Obviously, I think a lot of people want him to stay, including many within the Mets organization, but it would help to put him paired with a legit 40-plus homer threat in that lineup, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I talked about this yesterday a little bit. I, I think Solaire would be the best fit, and I, I don't think you're going to have to break the bank to get a guy like this. Um, he's been known for power. Uh, you can DH him. You can give somebody a break in the outfield if you need him. He's a guy that's going to come up there and help Pete Alonso out. And then my second thing would be sign Pete Alonso long term. I mean, I don't know what they're waiting for. This guy needs to be in Queens for the rest of his career, if not. Or, well, yeah, the rest of his career. I mean, I don't see he's fit for New York. He's fit for Queens. He's that guy across the street from Aaron Judge, another power hitter. When they play each other, it's like two big warriors going at it. So it makes for um, fun times in the in the boogie downer in Queens when they play. So Solaire first, then sign Pete long-term. Why Solaire? Why Solaire, not J.D. Martinez? J.D. Martinez has a pretty good track record of being pretty good over a long period of time. Listen, Jorge Solaire is a great player. He'll hit you 40 probably, uh, but he'll also strike out a ton. J.D.'s a little bit of a better hitter. Um, either one of these guys makes sense. They just need another bat, period, uh, in this lineup. And someone to protect Pete, and yes, I agree with Todd. Sign a DH, but you have to sign Pete Alonzo. You've already locked up Lindor. Alonzo loves the orange and blue. He needs to be a Met for life. You need to sign him up. Steve Cohen, you got the dollars. Let's go. 
sign him up. And then when you're done with him, you probably sign Alvarez up, the catcher, up for a little bit cheaper than what you're going to get Pete Alonso at. But they got some things they need to do. I like what the Mets have done. They haven't committed as much money as they have in the past to guys, but they're still short if they're going to think about winning the NL East. Hey, Jay, let me, ask, let me ask you this. Do you think they give Alvarez one more year to see if he can, like, be that catcher that they've always wanted? Or, or you say sign him now? Like, you, you're, like, gung-ho about signing him now. I think you should sign him now. Catchers don't come along that often, and he's he proved it last year. I mean, he did. He had a great year for him last year, not only offensively, but the guys love throwing to him defensively. They love him back there. So, And he played almost – he played a lot. So I, I think he's a guy that you could lock up. I, I mean, I think he's young enough. He's valuable enough. His bat plays. He hits home runs. I mean, even if you sign him, I don't know. I'm not. I'm gonna throw random numbers out. A fifty million dollar deal. I mean, that's yeah. not gonna kill your franchise, right? No. For the next six years, fifty million. It's not killing your franchise. So I, I think it's a no brainer. But they haven't done it yet, and I don't know why. Do they want to see more behind the plate from him? Because my counter to that would be the bat's gonna play regardless, and you do have the DH spot. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, I was just I was just curious his thoughts. I wasn't trying to be like, yo, we shouldn't sign him. I just wanted to hear what he had to say about that because I've never thought about that yet, and it could be an interesting play as well for the Mets, for sure. I mean, he's so, a good player. His defensive yeah. his defensive ranks were good last year. Yeah. I mean, they love throwing to him. It wasn't like he was – I mean, you know, he hit – I mean, he only hit 209, but he did hit 25 homers last year. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, Very that wasn't good. a full season of ABs. It wasn't How a full ABs? season. Yeah, I was going to say that. Well, I mean – 400 he played 123 games it's interesting though he, he so he hit 25 homers his ops plus was 95 why because he doesn't walk a lot right walks are overrated um <laughs> but you know defensively you know i mean yeah he's getting better he's young he's a young cop stealing 13 percent, not awful uh you know defensive runs save seven i don't know I mean, he's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Some of these metrics for catchers don't make a lot of sense to me, but um, I don't know enough about how they, they quantify him, like the framing stuff and all that. But listen, I think he's a guy that's going to get better. He cares. I know that. And every pitcher you hear talk about the Mets, man, I love throwing to Francisco Alvarez. Let's get him back there more. And he played 120 plus games last year. So he's durable. I mean, let's, let's sign him up. I mean, again, if yeah. you sign him to a six year, 50 million, that's not killing the Mets franchise. And he probably, I mean, it might be a little more, but he'll still, it's a, it's a guy you can slot in every day behind the plate for a hundred plus games. I didn't know he played that many games. That's why I, that was the reason why yeah, 120, I didn't think he played that many games, but he did. That's uh good for him, man. Yeah. He's a good little ball player, dude. He's a very good ball player. If the Mets do end up somehow coming out of the blue and signing Solaire or JD, could they sneak into the playoffs? I think so. I think that I was, I think they need. What I think is pitching. I mean, that, that's probably the biggest thing that they're going to have to stay with. I mean, besides, you, you think Kodai Senga, Severino, uh, Sean Manea. I mean, yeah, they're okay. But, you know, over a long haul, you know, they might need another arm or two for sure. They're short pitching for me. Yeah. They, they need another starter for sure. I mean, Sango is good. I mean, after that, it's – You don't yeah. know what you're going to get. I mean, Severino, I mean, yeah. I mean, if he's, what, 2019, Luis Severino? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a big ask, right? I he's mean, the key to their season, right, AJ? I mean, if he ends up – I mean, his scale is so vast, right? He could be a two and have a career year because he's still young enough. He's like 29. Or 
he could be like last year and those numbers don't belong in a rotation. Okay, so That's let me ask you, we're, we're, we're talking about the Mets getting in the postseason, okay? They're in a division with the Phillies and the Braves. Hmm. They're not better in either one of those teams, right? Not even the close. Dodgers, the Dodgers are not better, right? And then there's one team from the Central that's getting in. So there's four spots already taken. There's, that means there's two left, okay? Yeah. Probably, probably another West team, whether it's Diamondbacks, Padres, whoever you want to look Giants. at. Giants, Diamondback, maybe. Diamondbacks, I think for sure. Okay, okay. so there's five. And that means that leaves you one spot. The Marlins got in last year. <laughs> They're not getting back. Okay, Brewers, Cardinals, <laughs> Reds. Brewers, Reds, Cardinals, Cubs in the center. Yeah. One of those teams sneak in. It's going to be See, tough. It's, 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 listen, could the Mets, if everything goes perfectly, no one gets hurt and this and that. I mean, like I always say, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But oh, damn. Not true. Do you always say that? I say <laughs> my wife. My wife gets mad at me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just so happens. We have her on the show. Come on down. <laughs> well, all right. I, I, I like that, though. I think if – the Mets go for another bat like that. Their offense could be good. I mean, there's Pete, another year of Alvarez, Lindor, solid as can be. You start going around the diamond. I mean, Nemo's an above average offensive player. Does Marte give them anything this year? Does Bader bounce back a little bit on yeah. offense? I mean, you start going around the diamond. Some of the young guys, obviously, like a Vientos, Beatty. Can they be above average bats? Well, they're, they're, they're going to be battling for third base this year, both of those guys. So we don't know who's going to be third baseman. I, I know those I, – I, you might have an inside Baby. track, Mr. Scotty. <laughs> I do. But, yeah. but, and also, do they have any young studs that can come up and, and come in and be major league pitchers too as well? That's something else that, you know, we haven't talked about. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know personally. I, I didn't dive into the minor league ranks there, but I'm, I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping they have some kid that's – you know, a month or two away from getting up there and be like, all right, here we go, young man. Here's a ball. Go get him. So they have op they hopefully they have options, but if not, you sign a guy like Soler or Martinez, you might as well go for the whole kit and caboodle. Go ahead and get a pitcher too as well after that. Diaz back too. That's big. Oh. That gets you a few extra wins. Yes, Seriously. True. And they brought Ottavino back. He's a good eighth inning, seventh, yep. eighth inning guy. I mean, there's pieces there, but Again, who's going to play third base? There's, you know, can McNeil bounce back? He didn't have a great year last year. Marte, he's kind of like, what's he got left? And, right? And, yeah, and you got that Luis Angel uh, uh, Acuna. Luis that, Angel Acuna. Ronald Luis Angel. He's fast as shit. And, mean, and he's supposed to be a stud too. So, yeah. you know, what happens if he's clicking at the heels of everybody else? Think, are they going to move him to third? Because he's not going to – is he going to go to second, put McNeil in the outfield? So – We'll see what happens. They, they, it's interesting. I would say it's very interesting what you know New York has right now, meaning the Mets. Uh, Offseason's not over, so we'll see what they have up their sleeve. It's a team I'm probably going to put money down on. I got to see. I haven't checked lately, but for their win total. Because they're going to win more games in my mind than last year. And on paper, you would be like, huh? But I do think they're going to win more games. They have better young talent. Just like you mentioned, those two trades alone – the Rangers trade with Scherzer, the Astros trade with Verlander. Those trades yeah. will impact the team this year. And the reason why I actually, to sum this up, don't think they're going to sign either of those players is because I do think they're going to give Vientos a shot to get some serious time, and that would be at the DH spot yeah. for the most and, part. And who's the guy ahead. who got hurt in winter ball? Mauricio? Yeah. Ronnie, I was just going to I was going to bring him up too. That was a guy that they were looking really at this time too. too. There's some good young talent there. It's mostly position players, so they do need pitching. But next offseason, they're going to buy like two or three starters. What about what about a what about a 
Cody Bellinger center field every day. Mm. Well, no? they they got they got Nimmo and Bader, I guess now that wherever they want to put them. But I I know what you're saying, hundred percent. I would say that. Take him in a heartbeat. I do actually agree with AJ that if they're going to spend any more money this offseason, I would get another starter. I mean, there's not that many big names left, but why not a Ryu? He's still available on the market. Someone like that to kind of give you a little bit more depth and security there. And I do think if they do that, they have a shot. They have a shot at maybe the fifth or sixth spot, like one of those last couple wild card positions. Okay, one other thing I want to get to from uh, our friend Rob Friedman of Pitching Ninja, he put out there the javelin that Yamamoto uses for his training. And hey, I'm not going to knock his training. This dude is one of the best pitchers ever in the history of the MPB, and now he's coming over to the Dodgers. So Pitching Ninja tweeted this, quote, the company that makes Yamamoto's training javelin asked me if pitchers and coaches would be interested in it in the U.S. If there's any interest, let me know in the replies. Of course, a ton of replies and we get a good look at the javelins that he uses he is all about this training regimen it is so unique and he chucks those things and apparently todd filed the story is he saw a young girl in a park throwing javelins once and asked her about it and learned more about how that can increase strength and flexibility and the uniqueness and maybe how it ties into baseball training and there you go on the pole obviously there's 60% interested in buying the javelin. It's the most we can get America to agree on nowadays. So anyway, Todd Father, do you think that young kids that want to be future Yamamoto-like pitchers in Major League Baseball and get $325 million contracts should be chucking these javelins around? Should we be getting these guys locked in as a sponsor? <laughs> well, let me say this first. Those 2,100, 2,166 votes are all travel ball coaches that have <laughs> – or the 60% are all travel ball coaches that say, yes, they're going to get it for their kids. Uh, I don't think they need that. I, I, first off, I think they would probably throw it wrong and end up hurting themselves rather than helping themselves. I do like the part where you say about flexibility and strength. Great, but you got to be strong enough to do it. I, I think there might be a certain age, probably when you get you know, in high school where you're a little more mature that you could try something like this because it puts you in a different angle. Your shoulder, it, it's using your shoulder, your arms, your elbows, it looks like. But if you're not throwing it right, you could probably hurt yourself if you want the truth. But I I would say I would say no to that right now. I, I don't think any kid should be using anything like that. Um, I don't think any coach should buy something for their kid or their dad yet. I, I think if this works out well and it's something that all of a sudden – you know, this guy's taking off. He's got another mile or two on his fastball, and, and he's strong and healthy. Uh, yeah, something to look into. But right now, I, I would I would say no. Yeah, this is this has got every parent that thinks their kid's going to be a major leaguer because they throw the javelin written all over it. Uh, people buy it. Listen, if you put this on the market, there'll be a lot of people that buy it because they're like, my kid's going to be the next Yamamoto and get three hundred plus million. Um, yeah, I agree with Todd. Just just throw, just throw more. I think kids don't throw enough. Uh, especially long toss. Once they get to the high school age, they need to throw a long toss more and just do other things. Once you figure a routine out, then you start worrying about specifics. And I think this is, listen, it, it works for him, but I've seen a million different things work for guys that don't work for other guys. So listen, it's all personal preference, but I guarantee if these hit the market, they will sell and they will sell like hotcakes because people are like, oh my gosh, my, my kid can be the next Nobu Yamamoto because he throws a javelin. It doesn't work like that. And also, 82 and a half is the uh, over-under, Scott, on the Mets. Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's really well-placed. 
Hey, Derek writes in the chat, if Yamamoto wins a Cy Young, every kid in the country will be throwing a javelin. I think oh, that, no. that oh, for sure will, will go up. That's a good point, Derek, uh, from uh, What's the from downside? Tom Thank you. What's the downside, guys? I mean, to just it doesn't have to be your, your bread and butter for your training, but to mix that in there, if there's somebody that's coming over that's done it well, and he's, he's not a big dude, and he's been very durable. I mean, he threw, what, 130 pitches in his last game ever in MPB in that World Series, something like that? Yeah, I, I think there's – who's going to train the kid? Because they're not going to hey, kid, I right, just start throwing the javelin, dude. I know a guy that trained me. He missed out on making the Olympics, and he was a javelin thrower. Like, I would be lucky to have that guy to teach me how to throw it. But he might even look at something like this and frown upon it. But he's like, why is it so loose? Why isn't it strong enough to be a javelin? This is a waste of time. So it's like, who's going to teach you how to do it? You can't just get up there and throw it. You know how hard it is to throw a javelin, right? I, I've tried it before. It's very hard to do. So it's like if you're not in the right spot, you get your shoulder, all of a sudden you're tweaking from the wrong angle. You're going to have shoulder problems, dude. So I, it's it, it, for young kids, and if you don't have the right trainer to, to teach you how to do it step by step, you can't just go out there and throw it, dude. I did not Agreed. expect to hear that ever on our show. Do you know how hard it is to throw a javelin? Oh, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I agree with everything Todd just said. I mean, listen, if we're gonna if we're gonna put this out there, it better come with not only an instruction booklet but a video and all kinds of stuff because there's mm -hmm. gonna be kids out there just throwing this thing all wrong, hurting their arms, like, and you know that's what happens though. I mean, again, weighted balls, right? People when they for weighted balls first came out, you'd see people doing it all kinds of crazy stuff, and people ended up getting hurt from it. So you got to do it right. You got to do it under supervision. That know what they're doing. And I don't know that many javelin coaches out there that know how to throw the javelin properly. Todd, you know one. That's one more than anyone else knows, I promise you. <laughs> oh, man. Crazy. This is this world's crazy sometimes, man. It makes me laugh. I, get, I, I just laugh it off. Well, everyone's looking for the next edge, if possible, or just some new training regimen. Here's some video of Yamamoto, and, and he is nasty. I mean, he's got two-plane break on the fastball. He's got a six-splitter. I've been listening to – you know, Cyrus on some of his starting pitching rankings, and he was comparing him to Kevin Gossman, but he's got a four-pitch mix instead of a two-pitch mix. So he's like, he's got the fastball-splitter combo that's similar in his mind to Gossman, although it's coming from a lower arm angle because he's smaller than him. And then he's got two more pitches on top of that. And really, at least I think three of them are ranked elite plus-plus pitches, which is why he is the richest pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. I want to ask AJ another question, dude. From Japan, like they are so good at the split change or splitter. How how don't we develop that in our pitchers? Our pitchers, like I'm a pitching coach, in pitchers in in the United States. Like why why don't why aren't we trying to throw that pitch? Because it's a devastating pitch. I remember facing it in the Olympics, bro. That thing was it looked he, shoot and it just fell right off the table. Like it's a it's a it's nasty pitch, bro. I don't know why. I mean. Do we just not – we're like, ah, don't worry about it. I mean, Roger Clemens had a really good one. I don't know. Well, because everyone's scared they're going to hurt their arms, right? You hear it all the time. Oh, if you throw a split, you're going to hurt your arms. Yeah. Roger Craig, remember him with the Giants? He, he taught a bunch of those Giants guys back in the day to, to throw splits. And, and then you look at, you know, Mr. Baseball, he went over there. He couldn't hit the shoot, though, which was the mm -hmm. split. Remember Tom Selleck? He struggled until he figured it out. But the, the thing is we don't teach it properly. So, like, guys hold it differently, right? So this, yeah. is, this is kind of a lesser split. And then some guys get it, like – way deep in their fingers, yeah. like all the way split, right? Where you're almost half and half on the ball. You can see that. And then I remember Jose Contreras would take a softball and stick a softball between his fingers. And he would <laughs> he would actually grab 
he would actually try to grab seams with see how I like gr grab a seam with my with with my middle finger here, and that would make it move different ways. So it's just something that needs to be taught. And the other thing is, you really got to stay on top, like with your hand, and just pull it straight down. I think you know guys are so taught now to get around balls, and and if you start throwing it at a young age, man, it can mess you up if you don't do yeah. it properly. It's like it's like anything though. If you're anything not doing else. it right, you're not going to be effective, and it's going to end up being bad in the long run. But I think if you know what you're doing. And you can throw – look at Kevin Gosman. He's basically a two-pitch guy, right? Fastball yep. split. Mm -hmm. And he's effective. Clemens had the split forever. I mean, Dave Stewart. There's a long list of guys with nasty splits. And, listen, it was one of the hardest pitches to hit. Tim Hudson, right? Remember him? I mean, he would just go split, split, split. And you're like, gosh, when's he going to throw one that's straight? <laughs> you just can't see it. It looks the same coming out, but it's a devastating pitch if you can master it. Hey, and, Scott, I'll tell you this. When we were playing in Japan, um, they would – they would ever be in between every pitch. They had this rosin bag. So it wasn't the same rosin as we had because when we used the rosin that we used, it wasn't as dusty and cloudy. So they would, they would hit the rosin in between every pitch and throw it. And every time they threw it, a cloud of smoke would pop out of their hands and you couldn't see the ball. So everything looked like a fastball and then Yankee would fall down. Like we were complaining about it. And you know, the umpire, wherever he was from, didn't speak English. So it was hard, but they, they would powder up that hand. I'm like, hey, man, tell them to wipe it off. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're saying. But they would throw it, boof, cloud of dust would pop up and would make that splitter even more effective. Nothing you can do. So really from this conversation, I think we've learned javelin okay, but how about watching Yamamoto this year and others that throw the splitter well and just learning that pitch, right? Mm -hmm. Or wait, wait until you get – Older though, don't start yeah, throwing this at like ten. twelve years old. See, this hurts yeah. my hand. This 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 is like killing my my two fingers here. When can yeah, you people, start a splitter in your? I mean, arsenal. I would wait till you're you're later in high school to start throwing that. I mean, work on a fastball command, work on a changeup, work on trying to throw a smaller breaking ball that's easier on your arm. You don't need to be cranking them right until you get to be a junior or senior, at least in high school. I mean, and you can play with the split a little bit here and there. But listen, until you get into into college or, or a little bit, you know, 18 years old and you're kind of almost fully developed, like let everything finish. Like we're not in a rush here. Everyone's in a rush. Like, oh, my kid's nine years old, man. He's got a wicked breaking ball. He also like drops way down here, right? And he's like <clears throat> cranking his elbow. And then they're like, oh, my kid had Tommy John at 11. I don't know why. Well, I mean, I'll tell you why. Because you're cranking breaking balls at nine, nine, nine years old. Like learn how to command the fastball, learn how to throw a change up. And then we can work from there. But I, I mean – Everyone's in such a rush now to, to make their kid, yes. oh, he's a big leaguer and 10 years old. Calm down. All my kid wants to do is throw a curveball, and he's nine years old, and I, I want to rip his head off his shoulders sometimes. And he's like, Dad, I'm like, fastball. Like, it's it's amazing thing. He doesn't know how to throw it. He just, It's basically like 40 miles an hour, but he's not even throwing it right. So I'm like, dude, you don't even know how to throw it yet. I don't even know how to teach you to throw a curveball. So don't even try it. Dude. If you get hit around in your fastball, tip your cap and move on, bro. It's nine-year-old baseball, I tell him. And he doesn't get it yet. But there's a lot of kids around here, especially too. I mean, all over that are throwing curveballs at a young age. It's develop that change up first. That's just, that's as, as devastating as a curveball as a curveball is. Curveballs look cool though. That's the thing. Yeah, they're, they're cool. They're video yeah. game-ish. They look cool on social media, right? If you if you got a guy swinging out of his shoes on a curveball, it looks cool. Don't you think that contributes to why people want to or kids want to have it in their arsenal at a young age? Of course, yeah, of course it is. It's, it's the cool that's the other pitch for Yamamoto, by the way. That's the other pitch, by the way. So 
I mean, he's got yes, a devastating curveball on top of the fastball splitter combo or combinations. My, my kid was my kid was like twelve years old. My son, we went to Cooperstown to play in the Hall of Fame game, and Kevin Gross was there, and he he was like trying to teach my kid how to throw a curveball. My my kid was like, "Oh, this is so cool, Dad! Watch me throw this curveball." And I'm like, "Let's just wait a couple of years," like Todd said. I'm like, "Let's." Let's 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 calm down a little bit here because you know you're a little bit young to be throwing this curveball. But I mean, he taught him properly how to throw it, you know. And he was like, "This is how we do it," and you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was the right thing to do. But I was like, "Let's let's slow our roll down a little bit here." You're only you're only twelve. Keep mm-hmm. that in the arsenal when you get older. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now he doesn't even pitch, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so he could have done whatever he wanted to do, you know. Uh, last part of this. So one other unique aspect to Yamamoto because this was kicked off by the javelin conversation is he doesn't believe in lifting weights so this is essentially his weight training I love that I you absolutely do? love it I know because I don't like not lifting. Be lifting I don't like lifting weights either that's why <laughs> I, I can't stand working out but I never liked it but I mean it's interesting he wants to keep it nice and loose up here I guess I, I don't know I mean how about some band work I feel like if they do some band work to keep the shoulder right I mean is, is band work lifting weights? Because I'm sure he might be no. doing that. No, right? No, he's I think talking he's about talking heavy, about heavy the, lifting and stuff. Yeah, the good yeah. stuff, the, the old school. Everybody, everybody has their own techniques and work ethics. I'll never knock somebody for that. You know what I mean? Guys, I remember a pitcher who used to eat McDonald's before every time he pitched. The one time Dusty Baker told him, man, you can't be eating that crap. He went out, pitched, didn't eat McDonald's. He got shelled. Dusty told him, hey, listen, go get your McDonald's before the game. So – it was uh, you do what you want. You do what you want, and if it works for you, it works for you. It shocked the system. That was the problem. You shocked the system by taking the McDonald's away. That was his fuel. That was his body his was fuel. like, "What is this real stuff? What is this?" <laughs> Ty, listen, I came up with the twins, and yeah. they were like anti weights. There was no lifting weights. Really, we didn't even have a strength coach until oh a couple years in. Like, oh, yeah. You didn't have any jack dudes on your team. I mean, we had like Marty Cordova. He was pretty jacked. Oh, did he not lift weights? No, he did. But they they just didn't they just didn't want guys to do it because this was the old school thinking. Like you get too tight, you can't throw, you can't move. Whereas now we've obviously figured out more kinesiology, movement patterns, and stuff like that for different movements. And the and the training has gotten so much better, and the and the equipment has gotten so much better that you know now it's all about you know core movement and, yep. and, and replicating moves and. And all that, but yeah, I mean, when I came up with the twins, they were like, "Weights? Nobody, you don't touch a weight, dude." And then on the opposite side, I saw a guy after three hour and forty minute game get in there, do ninety to one hundred pound Turkish get ups. I'm like, "Holy cow! Like this is crazy." Doing uh, cleans, I'm like, "Holy, this is." I'm like, "This, this ain't me." I'm over there with twenty pound dumbbells doing bicep curls, baby, and triceps and all this stuff. I'm like, "Am I doing this wrong?" <laughs> it's freaking nuts. Yeah, people want to know who the McDonald's guy is. Who's the McDonald's? Honestly, pitcher? honestly, I would tell you, but I forget. I forget. I'm picturing him. But Someone I said, him. Frankie said, "Is it Homer Bailey?" No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't Homer Bailey. Is <laughs> it starter? I, it was a red starter. He was a starter for only for a year, year and a Ooh, half. Only a year and a half. That's gonna be yeah. And, and, yeah, I don't know. It might have been you know a year or two, but not much. All right. So everyone in the chat who's into doing some homework. Throw some names out there, and maybe by the time we get to slap hands, we'll be able to figure out who Yeah, it was like around 2009, 2010 range. Okay, we'll look. We'll look. Hey, I had to uh, have McDonald's every time I went to Wrigley. I made old yes, Mikey go yes, get it. R.I.P. Yes, Mikey. God, God rest his soul, my oh. man. Hey, but, dude, 
double cheeseburgers all oh. day, dude. Oh, all he brought day. in the. Oh, he had the he had the breakfast from uh, Pancake House with yeah. the Swedish pancakes and the big sausage patties like this big, dude. right? You <laughs> gorge yourself with it. Go ahead. Everybody, everybody hated. Everybody's like, man, it's the worst. I'm like, I got you. Hold on, yo, go get me about thirty double cheeseburgers. Came in half hour later. There's two left. I said, holy shit. I said, where'd they all go? I didn't get one yet. You know. Mm-hmm. You you'd see that you'd see the uh the training staff get in there. I'm like, yo, you're eating these now too? Yo, you're going back on your word now, dude. What are you doing? Oh man, <laughs> you know, the smell, the smell of these burgers. I couldn't have I couldn't have I had to have one. It was great. Always. The- Always. Listen, he'd bring in the whole he'd bring in McNuggets, he'd bring in double cheeseburgers. Uh, you and guys get just the fries being there. quick. <laughs> the fries you had uh, to get quick. That's oh all. man, they were crushing them. Every and then I went in there one year and I'm like, Mikey, what happened to the McDonald's? He's like, Oh, we're we're healthy now. And I'm like, yeah. Here's a hundred oh, bucks, shit. bro. You better go, go get me some McDonald's. Go. When he yes. came back, and sure enough, they were all gone in ten minutes. Oh man. All right, ready, Todd. I'll give you a few more, and then we'll move on for now. But right. Tip Wells, Bronson Arroyo, Aaron Harang, Robert Manuel, David Wells, Micah Owings. Nothing yet, huh? No, no, no. He was. Um... Oh man! You didn't God, play with Wells on the that's, Reds. That's kill. It's killing me. Well, it wasn't Bronson. No, no, no. He was young. He was young, man. He was young in nine ten. Mm. Young in nine ten. All right, we'll keep working. I on think it. he got called up from Double A too. If I wasn't mistaken. All right, for now, let's talk Rays for a moment. Our BetMGM World Series odds series continues. The Tampa Bay Rays entering the twenty twenty three season. We're at plus 2,000 to win the World Series. Obviously, they started off the year hot. And they were in first place still midseason, July 10th, at plus 450 to win the World Series, 58 and 35. By the time they entered the playoffs, they were at plus 1,200. They cooled off. They lost really at least three out of their five in their starting rotation to season-ending injuries, which is pretty difficult. And what are we at entering the season? plus 3,500 for the race. So BetMGM and me and I think that the Rays are going to take a step back this season. What do you guys think? They have to, right? They have to. They don't have, they don't have start. They don't, where were their start? Name their starters. Yeah, I don't. They're healthy. I mean, they got rid of Glass now. They don't have one. They're not going to have Wander Franco this year. That's pretty, pretty, pretty evident, right? That's the He's big loss. That's their best player. player. Yeah, and I mean, they're, can their bullpen carry them again? I mean, they use their bullpen so much, and they got rid of a bunch of their guys in the bullpen too. So, I mean, when's McClanahan come back? When's a bunch of these guys come back? Because Springs, they got they, they got a bunch of guys that are injured. So Rasmussen, Rasmussen. I mean, geez, it is like, oh man, when do these guys I mean, these guys coming back sooner than later? Because if they don't, I mean, the Rays have always been pretty good, but right now they look short. You want me to give you their rotation? Because it's. Definitely got some upside, but some of these guys are, are young or unproven. I mean, Pepio is in the Glass Now deal, and it's a guy that you would expect to have a good career with the Rays, but just not sure yet, right? He's shown some flashes so far in the big. Zach Littell, they converted to a starter. He's been pretty good, but probably more of a back-end guy. At the top, you've got Eflin, who they signed last year. Aaron Savali, who was the nice pickup from Cleveland, although – I think Cleveland partially traded him because they felt like he was at his peak and he'd been injured a lot, which is a problem when you're joining the Rays because they do suffer as many pitching injuries as anyone. 
Now, Shane Boz, a lot of potential. And my favorite in this group is Taj Bradley. I mean, I think he's got potential to be a top-end starter. But, again, he's super young. We haven't seen him for anywhere close to a full season yet in the bigs. So, Todd Father, when you match them up against some of the other teams in the AL East, I think a lot of people are expecting them to take a step back. Yeah, I I would agree with everybody else. Shane Boz, I played with him in uh, uh, the Olympic trials and uh, the Olympics. He, he's, a, he's a character, bro. He's going to go out there and give you some energy. I like McClanahan. I like him a lot when he's healthy for sure. But yeah, I, I think they, they had a bad taste in their mouth after uh, that first playoff series against the Rangers. You know, I thought they were going to come out like gangbusters and, and go go crazy and win some games, and they couldn't win one game. So I don't know. I'm not sure to be honest with you. I I don't think I'm going to put any money on them if if I if I was going to. That's a big number. It's a big number. Well, they've never won one, but that's a big number, thirty five hundred and. I mean, yeah, Eflin's, Eflin had a great year for him last year. Savali's a, a good pitcher. But you look at the AL East and you're like, all right, do they match up? And I know we say this every year, but do they match up with the Orioles and do they match up with the Yankees right now with what, what the other teams in this division have done? Um, I don't know. Offensively, you know, I know they have, still have Randy and they still got some nice pieces and they always seem to figure it out. But, man, it seems – it's just – it's amazing with the Rays. Every time you look at them, you're like, ah, oh, they're never going to be any good. And the next thing you know, they go 13-0 and and start the season 13-0 and and move on. So you just never know with them. It's one of the toughest. But I wouldn't put money on them to win the World Series. To get to the playoffs, you could probably make a bet, but not to win the World Series. Yeah, I mean, how do you stack them right now in the AL East? At least third, behind the Orioles and the Yankees for sure. Blue Jays probably are better right now too. So they're probably fourth unless something crazy happens for me. You watch in the middle of the year, they'll bring up a pitcher or two and – the guy is just going to be electric, and they're going on like a 15-game win streak or something. So can never count them out, but it's going to be a harder road this year to get through. Their greatest strength by far, in my mind, over the past at least five to seven years is that they can take a waiver claim like Robert Stevenson and make him into one of the best relievers in baseball for their yeah. second half of the season. You just don't see that kind of success consistently for many other teams. How many players have they done that with? over the last half decade to decade, right? Pete Fairbanks, it goes on and on. And these dudes don't just go from like getting tossed around to teams to, oh, they're helpful. They go to the Rays and it's like, oh, here's another high leverage guy. Here's another high leverage guy. So A, they, have to, they don't have to spend any money on relievers. And in fact, for the most part, when they get expensive, they'll move on, right? Because they just have this factory going where they can produce another one. Now, could also make a case, we've talked about this before, AJ, that they overuse those guys sometimes, but in my mind, they kind of know that they're probably only getting two to three, maybe four years out of them, and then they're going to move on. But the fact that you can look at a guy like Stevenson and he can three or four teams, nobody can figure out how to really get it all to click in, and then he is a total stud with them, shows you how ridiculous they are with being able to convert uh, pitchers into high leverage relievers, right? That's their edge that we don't probably account for often. You know, like I think now I do. I go, okay, their bullpen's going to be good no matter what, right? Even if I don't know half the dudes or, or half the guys that start off in their bullpen don't even end out in their bullpen because they get hurt or they move on. I still think that's the edge for them that you can consistently have. Because how many teams consistently have a good bullpen? Uh, Yankees? <laughs> yeah. Not many. <laughs> No, I mean, there's teams that do. They're better at it, but 
I don't know. Uh, listen, here's the thing about the Rays for me. They always, you're right. They always find a way to get guys that, that come out of nowhere and are like, damn, this dude's nasty. All of a sudden the Rays figured something out. But you're right. They also tell them to go out there and give everything they got for five innings if they're a starter. And, you know, we're going to ask you for one inning as a reliever. And then a lot of times, sadly, these guys blow out or they move on and they're not quite the same. And, it, you know, the Rays are like, well, we did the best we could with you. And But my question is for Todd and for Scott. I mean, are the Rays the best organization in sports? Because they do more with less than any other team. Do they not? I mean, they don't have the resources of a Yankees. They don't have a resource of a Dodgers. But they consistently are good. They consistently find a way to make the playoffs. Granted, they've never won a World Series. But, man, they consistently, consistently find ways to do things and make make the organization proud. And for me, if they're not the best organization in all sports, they're top two or three because of what they do with what they are given. You want – go ahead, Scott. What I'm, I'm thinking because – and I'm, I, I'm sure he's sense. talking about wins and losses because you're not talking about like fan experience business. No, no, no. That. I'm just talking about what they do on the field. Not Fan experience yeah. and all that is completely different. Okay. I'm talking about what they have resource-wise and then the product they put on the field. Yes. Todd, like I'll say yes, and I'll also add to this because, yeah, they're doing more with less than most teams in terms of just straight-up budget, and they actually ruin many other teams in the sport. Because owners are so jealous of other teams of what they're doing that they try and replicate that and they don't and then they fail. How how often do we see that where teams are like, oh, I want to be like the Rays? Well, you can't. It's not working for you. Hundred percent agree. They find ways to do things right with less, and I think that's well said for sure. And yeah. you can never count that team out. Good call by like Newt Country Song says. Perfect example of what the Rays do. Matt Whistler. Former starter, doesn't figure it out. They bring him in, and they're like, hey, dude, 90% sliders. Go for it. And he was a stunt for them for a couple of years. 90, he was like 99% sliders. I had Matt <laughs> Wessler when he made his debut, too. He was a fastball, sinker, slider guy. Yeah, he went to the Rays and was like, slider. But then what happened to him? He got hurt. Throwing a slider every pitch probably – produces an injury but hey if you go to matt whistler and say hey, was it worth it you might say yeah because maybe he's out of the league if he doesn't do that and he had a few year run and for some guys maybe that's a five-year run and they get paid a little and they have some success in the bigs because that was his most successful time in the big leagues right mm -hmm. for sure. so it's kind of worth it i mean he was a failed starter i mean listen i whistler was a great great young dude i mean he had a lot of potential came over from the padres and in, in one of the many brave padre deals Never really panned out. It was okay. And then the Braves were like, hey, you got this wicked slider. Let's just throw it every pitch. And sure enough, <laughs> cool. And wow. the last thing I'll say on Tampa Bay is because there's a lot of chatter in the chat about who will replace Wander Franco. I love Junior Caminero. I don't think he's going to be a shortstop. Long-term, definitely not. Even short-term. It seems like the way even they've reacted to transactions lately – I mean, Taylor Walls can still that play, play that position when he's healthy and if he can hit. And then the name I'm forgetting the name of who they acquired from Seattle, but he might start the season there, who, who had a bunch of stolen bases for them in that deal that they swung for Luke Rayleigh. I'm forgetting the name. Someone will get it for me in a sec. But I think he also probably fits that slot. And I think that's pretty much the reason why they made a trade like that, because Junior Caminero could be a stud. I just don't think – it's not me personally. I'm not going to try and act like I'm making evaluations there, but people are just saying 
between the size and the range that he's probably better at, say, third base for them long-term and even short-term. So it's no knock and they'll still be okay. It's just very difficult to replace a Wander Franco when he was really all around one of the best players in the league over the past season or two. You know, you're not going to replace that so quickly. Now, someone mentioned Brujan. He moved on to the Marlins, actually. It's Caballero. Yeah, Caballero from the Mariners. So, solid. Could be okay. Could be about an average player. They'll probably have him pull the baseball more like they're doing with guys like Paredes, but you're not replacing Wander Franco so quickly. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Caminero fan. I just don't think he's going to be the shortstop for them. So, anyway, those are the World Series odds for the Rays. little reminder, as it's still football season, for BetMGM Sportsbook account holders, you can create an entry in our in the uh, BetMGM Million Dollar Playoff Football Challenge for an opportunity to win a share of a million bucks in bonus bets if you predict the three playoff football questions correctly out of eligible users. Each entry period has three questions. You log into your account, go to the promo tab on your account, and complete and submit the BetMGM Million Dollar Football Challenge. One entry per customer permitted per entry period. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Todd, father, before we move on, you've gotten a million more ideas of Reds pitchers. So I'm trying to scroll up because there's so much going on in the oh, chat. No. But, it's um, got to be Mike Leake, no? Maybe his last name was Thompson. Thompson. I got Matt Maloney. I got Mike Leake. I got Edinson Volquez. I got... Cueto? Nope. Nick Massett. No. Sam LeCure. Jared Burton. Love Nick Massett. Love Jared Burton. Love is, Sam LeCure. Is this but just no. like a nice stroll down memory lane for you right now? Yeah, it is. I, I'm telling you, I think his last name was Thompson. Thompson. What was his Trace first? Thompson? No. Tommy he Thompson? <laughs> Keep going with the T's. Brett Tommy? Tomko, my favorite. Oh, man. That, that's you didn't fun. play with Tomko, did you? Was he gone by the time you were there? Matt Maloney? No. I played with Tomko. He's a Tomko right-handed right pitcher. Starter. He was a starter, I'm telling you. Ah. Uh, Damn, who is this? Daryl Thompson? No. Daryl Thompson wasn't a pitcher, was he? I don't know. Just a name someone threw out there. <laughs> yeah, you did. That was, it was that Jeremy from Tom Driver. Yeah. David Williams. <laughs> All right, we'll keep trying, though. But let's slap hands. With us at the beginning of the show, main feature of Slap Hands today is who was that teammate for Todd Frazier? And the <laughs> chat was buzzing all day yeah. long. And I think we finally figured it out. He said Thompson. And this name yeah. actually was brought up because someone brought it up in the chat. Yes, and DT. AJ I said screwed up. Daryl Thompson. Yes. Loved his Nicky D's, baby. Right? Was it I lied. Yeah, I, I forget. But he. He did. Whenever he eat those McDonald's for a game, he would, he would do really well. That's just his M.O. Well, it, it says his last game, he was 25 years old, 2011, so maybe they switched the menu around, and he was just like, dude, I'm not the same since they took well, he was with the Well, uh, he was with the Twins then, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, he, was, right. he was a good dude. He, he was solid, solid ball player. Solid. I like that. I like that. We might have to bring him on at some point, a little former player conversation. Mm -hmm. See Thompson. if he still crushes the McDonald's. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. Whatever it takes. Um, oh, you got something? Yeah, I just before, – before we go, uh, Mike Martin, who many people, unless you followed college baseball pretty well, was coached at Florida State for like 40 years. Uh, he passed away today, so condolences to him and his family. 
being a Florida fan, much respect for 11, as everyone called him. Uh, he recruited me in high school, got to know him a little bit as he got older, played against his son, uh, Meet, who was his, his son, Mike Martin Jr., who became the coach after him. A lot of good friends played for him, had nothing but great things to say to him. So Mike Martin, 11, as everyone, again, calls you, you'll be missed and rest in peace. R.I.P., yeah, absolute legend in college baseball for such a long time, devoted his whole life to the game and to obviously not just wins on the field, but, you know, there's a lot of growing and maturing that's needed for many college baseball players. So that comes with the job too. It's a tough job and the recruiting and you barely have any scholarships to give out. So um, yeah, rest in peace and thoughts with, with the Martin family and his family and friends. Um, all right. On our way out here, we'll do the usual. The only promise I'll make unless someone tells me otherwise is Kenny ball game back with us, Ken Rosenthal on Friday. So looking forward to that. And then hopefully I'm back in studio with AJ on Monday, if I'm released from my quarantine, we'll see. No? Jersey, here you come. Jersey, Todd Father. Come on nah. here, bro. It's cold here. It'll be gone in five seconds. Once yeah, you hit exactly. The air. I'll be freezing my ass off that you won't think about the illness. But I, it's all good. I'm on the recovery trail. So we'll see all you peeps on Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern time.